Some of them uh, indicated that they are arriving late, Honorable Grunewald. Uh, so, Honorable Members, good morning. We are ready to start our meeting. Uh, good morning, Honorable Whitfield. Honorable Whitfield, good morning. It was good seeing morning. you yesterday. Morning, uh, morning Honorable Molekwa. Um, I'm not going to uh, greet the, the colonels by name. Honorable Peacock, it was good seeing you. Honorable Shembeni, uh, what happened to Honorable Moss? I saw in the house yesterday. It was very good seeing her in the house. Uh, a whoop, good morning. Honorable Tablanche, very good seeing you in the house. You and Whitfield. Good morning, Chairperson. Good morning. Very good seeing you in the house. Good debate. Thank you, Honorable Tablanche. Honorable members, we are ready to start. As I said, the meeting is now in session. Chairperson. Yes, I'm. Uh, was it not good? Was it not good to see me yesterday in the house? Honorable Meshu, you. How could I not say you? <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> I should say you uh, be younger and younger in Parliament. I hope you recognize you. <laughs> Thank you. I apologize, accept the Chairperson. Thank you so much. It was good well, to see you also. Honorable Meshu, I really I was very happy to see you. Um, Honorable Shaky Mum will also be catching a flight shortly, so uh, we may lose all our quorums. Uh, Honorable Meshutz, thank you very much for your good advice. I always appreciate it and listen very carefully to all the members in our committee. And I do listen. You would see that when you make certain comments, I do respond. Honorable members, the Honorable Minister has been called to an urgent cabinet meeting. So the Honourable Minister has apologised for today's meeting. Uh, the Minister has apologised for Um to leave to not to be in the meeting today we've accepted his apology he has sent a number uh, major general rabi uh, there's a team who the uh, um, a senior team the deputy minister will indicate who will be here uh, welcome honorable deputy minister honorable whip and um, all the staff from saps and the civilian secretariat um we welcome the acting director of the civilian secretariat we are ready to start uh, honorable deputy minister could you just for record purposes indicate who will be representing the office of the national commissioner thank you chair and good morning to 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 members i will allow uh, general mutala to to indicate who is with him in the platform through your chair. Uh, thank you very much. So General Maklala is representing the National Commissioner today. Uh, um, DM. Honorable Hello. DM. Is yes, General, I, he's representing NASCOM. 
Yes, unless if there is another senior officer besides him, but I, I was informed that he will be here. Uh, General Mathlala, you may indicate who's representing the NASCOM. Honorable Tablanche, I have noted your hand. General Mathlala. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chairperson and Honorable Members um, uh, and Honorable DM. Uh, with the SA, from the SAPS side, uh, I'm with General Rabi, the Head of Strategic, and also General Matonsi, uh, the component head for social crime prevention, and then General Pinar from uh, component proactive policing. I've seen also Brigadier Fanerval from Legal Division Legal Services, and also General uh, Peters from uh, Corporate Communication, and then we also have uh, uh, Colonel Stein who is our parliamentary liaison officer. I submit honorable chair. And, and chair, from the side of the civilian secretariat, they are led by the acting secretary, Mr. Amaru. Uh, welcome, acting secretary, Mr. Amaru. Uh, thank you very much for those introductions. Uh, for record purposes, it will be captured. Honorable Tablanche. Chairperson, thank you. Now, I just want to inform you that um, you know where i am at the moment you know here i you know it's uh, the, the the power crisis is just going to be for the whole period of our meeting and uh, but i am online i don't foresee a problem but i just want to you know inform you in advance if there's something uh, you will know that i haven't just you know deserted um challenged it with the power thank you Honourable members, we all have uh, some kind of load shedding at some time or the other. So uh, we, uh, we know that uh, we'll fill in for one another. Uh, the Honourable Whip will also assist me when I have load shedding. I do try to go on to and log on to my phone. So um, we do then try and assist one another. Could we please assist one another again and be patient? The, we are, there isn't a single person who is pleased with the current situation and it certainly makes our work very difficult. As I said, I do try my mobile hotspot, but sometimes even that fails me. Um, Honourable Meshu and then Honourable Shembeni. Chairperson, I'm currently using my phone because I have load shedding and I'm not sure how long the battery will last. So I'll extend my apology if I'm cut off because of load shedding. Thank you. Accepted, Honorable Meshu. As I said, we understand the situation. Honorable, it's not an ideal situation for us to do online meetings. Honorable Shimbeni. Yes, thank you, Chair. Good morning uh, to the DM and everybody. Uh, I've got the very same problem, load shedding where I am. So if anything happens, I've already reported to the Thank you, Honorable Shimbeni. Honorable Whoop, your hand is up. Uh, thanks, Chair. 
I'm just throwing in an idea as to, because it seems we're going to live with this load shedding for quite some time. Uh, can we consider, I'm not saying we must take a decision now, but can we consider uh, physical settings of our committee meetings, if it's possible? I'm just throwing it as an idea. Honorable Siabi, um, it is exactly my sentiments. Could we request the staff, our content advisor, to do an analysis of the um, the possibility of the committee meeting physically? The Section 194 committee does meet physically. There are committee rooms um, that should be available. And I do not think that there should be any problem for this committee to meet physically. I'm not going to preempt the response that we'll get, but certainly, um, Nicolette, could we look at the, the modalities of meeting physically? If you just take a head count of today, more than half of the members will be with load shedding. We'll be having a meeting for an hour and we'll soon have no quorum. And it's very impossible for, for members to follow the meeting if half of the meeting uh, disappears. One, I have no quorum. And two, if members are unable to follow the meeting, they're unable to participate and they do not get the full gist of the content of the meeting. Honorable Whip, we'll certainly investigate that possibility and come back to you uh, in the next meeting. There's nothing I, if the 194 committee can meet physically and it's a hybrid meeting, I do not see the, um, the uh, uh, there shouldn't be a challenge. How do we meet in this way when we have so many challenges? So let us investigate and come back to the committee. Agreed? Agreed, Chair. Thank you. Uh, Honourable members, so agreed. Honourable members, could we now have the agenda um, presented to us? We have dealt with the apologies. Could we have the agenda, please? Could they flight the agenda? We are going to take the further responses by the Department on the public submissions. I've asked that um, the Civilian Secretariat brings us the legislative schedule for the remainder of the sixth Parliament. And then we have to reconsider the addendum of the SAPS APP. Um, honorable members, we, do we have a proposal for the adoption of the agenda? I move, Chair. The Honorable Whip moves for the adoption of the agenda. Do I have a seconder? Seconded, sir, Chairperson. Thank you very much, Honorable Meshu. Uh, do we have the adoption, uh, the acceptance of the apologies? You propose acceptance of the apologies. Oh, Honorable Marekwa also apologized. Do we have any further apologies? Pabawa? Good morning, Chair. I don't have any further apologies. Thank you very much. The apologies are accepted. Um, the honourable members, 
it has come to my attention that an, um, I think one or two, two, definitely two uh, members of the public have indicated that they wanted to do additional uh, submissions. Uh, we then had to look at and reassess the time frame for um, for submissions. We had a conversation with our legal advisor regarding the publication of the bill um, and for um, an addition, an extended period or an additional period. We are definitely going to have a struggle to motivate for the publication. Uh, if we do another round of advertisements, it must be done in all languages. And we have to motivate very strongly as nothing was done wrong in the first publication. And since we extended the time frame, we have not received any official requests for late submissions. Uh, the Red Cross was the only institution that requested um, a formal uh, um, addition that they they um, would want to give and I think they will present it. Uh, my indication today and my, I'd like to express the fact that if the members would like and if you so require, we workshop the bill in next week's meeting to take members through the entire clause by clause and of the actual bill and not only snippets of clauses as we have done now. Uh, this will in, allow us then to say that we have done the bill in, uh, extensively in detail, clause by clause. Uh, we can then return uh, in the next term to finalize the bill. Uh, we must also bear in mind that the bill still needs to go through the NCOP. Uh, the November deadline is looming. And uh, if we do not, then we have to accept that the bill will definitely not be passed this year. I would like the bill to be passed, but um, I'm not going to rush it through. I would like us to have consensus and when we do go uh, to Parliament, it would be best if all political parties support the bill. Uh, could Honourable Majosi please be allowed into the meeting? Honourable Majosi is still in the waiting room. Honourable members, that's my opening remarks. Um, if you would like to comment on what I have said, you could do so now. Honourable members, if you have any comments, uh, Honourable Siabi, your hand is up. Yes, thank you, Chair. Um, I think I want to identify with what you just said, Chair, in your comments. Um, but at the same time, um, I want to suggest that if possible, we can look at the uh, if it's approved, we can look at having an extension for public submissions, uh, maybe by two weeks. If we can re-advertise it for another two weeks so that we are sure that we are not getting uh, 
are not closing anyone outside. That would be my submission, Chair, if it's possible. Uh, thank you very much, Honorable Whip. It is noted and we'll look at that. Uh, Honorable Tablanche. Chairperson, thank you. I share the sentiments. Uh, you know, you, you touched on that and also the whip. I really support, you know, the sentiments that we need. We, we mustn't rush this through. It's an important piece of legislation. And I think everybody from our side, I hope, you know, have the same view. We need to do a proper work here to, to ensure that we have every every possibility covered. Thank you, Chairperson. Um, Honourable Tablanche and Honourable Whip, it is the practice of the Chair to exhaust all avenues before we present the bill or the amendments for final approval. I prefer a consensus approach and I prefer the bill to be adopted unanimously in the committee that we agree on the clauses to be amended and the necessary amendments which should be made. That has been the practice in the committee and I certainly want us to maintain that practice. I'm sure all the political parties will, will agree with me on that. Am I correct? Uh, we may go into the house and obviously um, when we do present, I'm not silencing you or um, trying to determine what you say in the house. We do have our differences and that is correct. As different political parties, we do have views. But at the end of the day, the, the working style of this committee has been to reach some form of consensus and I would like us to continue with that. Um, there's then an agreement, uh, Nicolette, you will look at those, those um, recommendations of the committee and we will certainly take it into account. Uh, I'll now allow Honourable DM to do the opening remarks for the further responses of the Civilian Secretariat before the Acting Secretary, Mr. Amaro, does the presentation or the DM will introduce who will do the presentation, whoever will do the presentation. Thank you very much, DM. No, thanks, Chair, and thanks to members. Without further ado, let me ask the Acting Secretary to lead in the responses in, for the interest of time. Thank you, Chair. Over to Secretary through you, Chair. Thank you, Mr. Amaru. Good morning, uh, Honorable Chairperson, Honorable DM, and Honorable Members. We have pre uh, prepared the presentation, which will be led by Advocate uh, Yolanda Krizinger. Through you, Chairperson, I will ask her to present. Good morning, Honorable Chairperson, Honorable DM, and Honorable Members. Chairperson and Honorable Members, um, the, the committee will remember that on the 14th of September last week, the department provided the committee with responses to the public submissions on the Poktatara Bill. Uh, the International Committee of the Red Cross 
then after the meeting on both the 14th and the 15th of September, respectively, submitted additional motivation for the retention of, um, or the amendment of Section 1.4 of the Principal Act, as well as a humanitarian exemption clause. Next slide, please. The purpose today is uh, for the department to provide additional uh, uh, responses to the additional submissions by the ICRC. Chair, I just, want, I just thought uh, today I'll recap um, on what Section 1.4 in the Principal Act actually says. And Chairperson, uh, can you, can you, will, you, will you allow me to just read the relevant section or will the members take note of it on slide four? Okay, I will, I will then read um, what does Section 1.4 in the Principal Act currently state. It states, notwithstanding any provision of this Act or any other law, any Act committed during a struggle waged by peoples, including any action during an armed struggle, in the exercise or furtherance of their legitimate right to national liberation, self-determination and independence against colonialism or occupation or aggression, or domination by alien or foreign forces in accordance with the principles of international law, especially international humanitarian law, including the purposes and principles of the Charter of the United Nations and the Declaration on Principles of International Law concerning friendly relations and cooperation amongst states in accordance with the said Charter, shall not for any reason including for purposes of prosecution or extradition, be considered as a terrorist activity as defined in subsection one. Next slide, please. Now, the, the, the Poktatara Bill seeks to delete subsection one four. And the reasons that we have previously given for this, I'll also recap on those. First of all, the Geneva Conventions on 12 August, 1949, and additional protocol one relating to the protection of victims of international armed conflicts and additional protocol two relating to the protection of victims of non-international armed conflicts were adopted at Geneva. It was signed by the Republic, ratified by the Republic in 1995 and incorporated in our South African law by means of the implementation of the Geneva Conventions Act in 2012. Next slide, please. Now, the, re, the, the, these two additional protocols apply amongst others to armed conflicts in which peoples are fighting against colonial domination and alien occupation and against racist regimes in the exercise of their right of self-determination. The two mentioned protocols lay down the obligations of both the state parties and other combatants, which may include guerrilla groups which want to benefit from the protection of the protocols. The Poktatara was adopted in 2004 and the implementation of the Geneva Conventions Act in 2012. And therefore, there's in other words, a need for the Poktatara to be aligned with the GCA. Next slide, please. The second main reason for this deletion is the Financial Action Task Force Mutual Evaluation Report that came out in October 2021. This report recognizes that the Poktatara contains several offenses related to terror financing. In generally, 
The criminalization of terror financing in South Africa is broadly consistent with most of the provisions of the TF Convention. Next slide, please. However, the Poktatara excludes from the definition of terrorist activity certain acts committed during an armed struggle. This exemption narrows down the scope of the terrorist financing offense in comparison with the TF Convention. Article 6 of the Terror Financing Convention compels each state party to adopt necessary measures, including domestic legislation, to ensure that criminal acts within the scope of the convention are under no circumstances justifiable by considerations of a political, philosophical, ideological, racial, ethnic, religious, or other similar nature. Protocol 1 also prohibits acts or threats of violence, of which the primary purpose is to spread terror among the civilian population and therefore prohibits acts of terror in both international and non-international armed conflict, irrespective of whether they are committed by state or non-state parties. The I then, um, um, Chairperson and members, I move on to the ICR submission that they did now additionally on the 14th and the 15th. The ICRC refers to clause 1.4 in the Principal Act as the International Humanitarian Law Savings Clause and is of the opinion that in terms of international law, such clause must reflect in South Africans' domestic legislation. An IHL Savings Clause excludes from the scope of counterterrorism legislation those activities conducted in an armed conflict by the parties to the conflict and persons acting on their behalf, which are regulated and not prohibited by IHL. Taking note of the response to their submission that the repeal must be understood in the context of South Africa's obligations under international law, the ICRC welcomes the fact that counterterrorism legislation shall be interpreted in a manner consistent with IHL. But they are saying that in order to preserve the IHL in counterterrorism legislation, um, they make another proposal for the amendment of Section 1.4 as it stands in the Principal Act currently. Uh, members will see that um, those words on slide 10 um, underlined are the insertions that the ICRC has proposed for the current Section 1.4. Next slide, please. The ICRC submits that the proposed amendment to Section 1.4 will make it more clearer in that South African IHL um, only covers actions in connection with IHL committed by movements waged by peoples in wartime, and that in peacetime, all actions of such movements can be considered as terrorist activities. They are saying that there can be no challenge of the legality of IHL savings clause, especially because signatories to the United Nations instruments have ratified the inclusion of such clauses in their domestic legislation. Um, in response to that, um, honorable chair and honorable members, um, that we are saying that the wording suggested by the ICRC to amend section 1.4 to make it less ambiguous. Uh, we have looked at that and it seems essentially similar to the content of the current wording of Section 1.4. Secondly, the deletion of Section 1.4 
was a recommendation in the mutual assessment report of the Financial Action Task Force. And although the FATF assessment team considered the view that the clause did not constitute a limitation on the ambit of the crime of terrorism as it was as it's derived from the Geneva Conventions, it in fact narrows down the scope of the terrorist financing offence in Section 4 in comparison to the requirement of Article 2 of the TF Convention. The FATF considered this as a very major factor in their assessment of the recommendation on the criminalization of the terrorist financing. It also played a role in the assessment of the country's ability to provide international cooperation in extradition matters relating to the terrorist financing offenses. Also, in terms of the general principles of our common law, which require the state to prove unlawfulness, it implies that the action of humanitarian organizations would not fall foul of the offense of terrorism or the terrorist financing offense. Therefore, we say in conclusion that we still maintain that the deletion of section 1.4 should be retained. Next clause, please. Sorry, next slide, please. Um, then the second submission of the ICRC was um, the inclusion of a humanitarian exemption clause. Um, the objective of a humanitarian exemption clause would be to ensure that impartial humanitarian organizations acting in accordance with IHL can carry out humanitarian activities without fear or prosecution by state authorities. Humanitarian clauses do not aim to negate the consent requirement and the absence of such clause might criminalize humanitarian activities foreseen to reduce the human cost of the conflict and which assistance is protected under IHL. Inclusion of such clause will allow South Africa to fulfill its international obligations in the counterterrorism and IHL frameworks. Next slide, please. The terror financing provisions in the bill, Chair, I'm moving now on to the responses of the department on the ICR's uh, submission on the inclusion of humanitarian clause, exemption clause. The terror financing provisions in the bill are derived from the Convention for the Suppression of Terrorism, uh, Financing of Terrorism. The crime only applies to financing terrorist activities and entities. The ICRC renders humanitarian assistance to victims of armed conflicts, and these cannot remotely fall within the ambit of the TF. Open-ended reference to humanitarian organizations would open the door to terrorist entities impersonating such organizations. Immunities recognized for the ICRC in terms of international law exempt it from having to testify in criminal proceedings of tribunals and domestic courts. The treatment of victims would constitute proof that they were in fact victims of war crimes sought to be prosecuted. Giving evidence of such, the ICRC would either not be allowed into conflict zones or being itself targeted. Immunity therefore exists due to the interest of alleviating human suffering and that out of the way of giving of evidence. Next slide please. This matter is entirely different from exempting the ICRC from the provisions of a criminal offense. And we maintain that there's therefore no necessity for an exemption as per the ICRC's submission. The National Director of Public Prosecutions must authorize all TF prosecutions 
and it is therefore a sufficient safeguard. I thank you. Thank you, honourable members, and thank you, Executive Acting Director of the um, a civilian secretariat thank you for the presentation it was quite detailed and uh, the work that you're doing is remarkable and we appreciate the work you're doing thank you for those responses from the civilian secretariat the representatives from the icrc indicated that they are unable to attend today's meeting due to prior commitments uh, could we then send them the responses in writing, formally in writing? Uh, it should come from the chairperson's office. Uh, Honourable members, we have the responses. Honourable Majorzi has also indicated that she has load shedding and that she has difficulties logging in. Again, the proposal by the WIP is extremely important and we'll, we will have to look at the possibility of meeting physically. Um, it is very difficult for um, honourable members to follow this important bill if they are unable to log in due to load shedding. Honourable members, we now have the responses. Um, I am taking hands. If you could indicate if you'd like to speak now. Honourable Members, I've noted Honourable Meshu. And then Honourable Tablanche, in that order. Thank you, Chairperson. I, unfortunately, because I've been using my phone, whenever calls would come in and messages, I would lose what the presenter was saying. So I'm going to ask maybe some questions of clarity, because I definitely have missed some of the things she said. What I want to understand uh, is, um, uh, is the humanitarian clause not accepted because of fear that terrorist, terrorist organizations might hide behind the cloak of being a humanitarian organization? I need clarity on that, what that means because over the years, I'm not sure, I should be corrected if I'm not correct, that over the years, when the humanitarian clauses were in the bills and such organizations were allowed to go into areas of conflict, were the, are there experiences that we can be given as examples that uh, there were terrorist organizations that abused uh, the privilege of uh, humanitarian organizations being allowed into conflict areas um, and other countries that have such humanitarian clauses, how do they ensure that uh, terrorist organizations do not pretend to be, some of them some, some do not pretend to be terrorist organization and go into uh, areas of conflict and cause confusion or cause havoc and so on. So I want to know uh, from those who still have such clauses, how do they ensure that uh, that terrorist organizations do not abuse um, the privilege that's given to humanitarian clauses to in order to save lives? Thank you, Chief uh, Thank you, Honorable Meshu, Honorable Tablanche. 
Chairperson, thank you. Let me start by uh, really appreciating the presentation done by the uh, presenter from the Secretariat. I think that was very, very well explained. It is a pity, though, Chairperson, that we don't have, you know, the other parties to respond. I mean, you know, the people that made that submissions to respond. And I think it, for me now, it would only be fair to get their response to make, a, you know, a judgment call then, you know, to have both inputs. And that will allow, you know, for me as a person, you know, to consider both and come to some sort of a, you know, as a, a view. Um, so my recommendation would be, Chairperson, that we wait for the responses, that we can take that also in consideration. Thank you, Chairperson. Uh, thank you very much, Honorable Members. Uh, the, could you remove the slides, please? Honorable Members will we'll send the responses to uh, the ICRC in writing. Uh, we'll also request them to clarify their uh, position in writing. Uh, we'll look at the program and uh, we'll see if we can present it in, um, in the meeting. Uh, thank you very much. I do not see any further hands. Uh, that certainly assists us in uh, understanding the responses which we have. Honorable Meshu, do you have your hand up again, or is that yes, yes Chairperson? Yes, Chairperson. Can I come in now? Thank you, Chairperson. Just to ensure that uh, I also be sent that uh, response in writing, please. All members will receive the response in writing. Um, the uh, Red Cross will receive their presentation in writing, and will receive their responses in writing. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, thank you very much, honorable members. The next item on the agenda is the update on the legislative schedule. We have the civilian secretariat to do that. Honorable Deputy Minister, you may introduce the next item. No, thank, thank you very much, Chair. Thanks, members, once more. I'll request uh, the acting secretary, Mr. Amar, to lead in that regard through you, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Deputy Minister. Mr. Amaru. Thank you, uh, Honorable Chairperson, uh, Honorable DM and members. Uh, the next presentation is about the, the progress in terms of the legislation uh, drafting program. So the approach that we have taken here is we first indicate <coughs> where we are currently and then where we plan to go uh, going forward. So Advocate John Bell will lead uh, in terms of the presentation through you, Chairperson. Chairperson, my sincere apology. Yes, Honorable Meshu. Um, my questions were not answered. May they answer them before we go ahead, please? Honorable uh, uh, Meshu, um, do you want the responses now or would you like it later? Uh, it appears that you would like the responses now. Yeah, that would help. That would really help. Uh, Honorable before we do the uh, legislative program, do you have the responses for Honorable Meshu, please? 
Honourable Chairperson, I will ask uh, Advocate Krisinga to respond and also request uh, Mr. Naidu from National Treasury to also assist if he deems fit. You may. Um, thank you. Thank you, Chair and members. Um, yes, on the issue about the exemption clause, um, the terror financing, um, as I indicated, the terror financing provisions are the bill, in the bill, are derived from the financing of terrorism convention for the suppression of financing of terrorism. And the crime only applies to financing terrorist entities and activities. The ICRC specifically renders humanitarian assistance to victims of armed conflicts. And these cannot uh, remotely fall within the ambit of terror financing. If we um, insert a humanitarian exemption clause, such an open-ended reference to humanitarian organizations would really open the door to terrorist entities impersonating such organizations. Um, the immunities recognized for the ICRC in terms of international law exempt it from having to testify in criminal proceedings of tribunals and domestic courts. And the treatment of victims would constitute proof that they were in fact victims of war crimes sought to be prosecuted. So immunity does exist for in, um, organizations such as the ICRC. Um, and, and, and therefore, we still maintain that uh, there's no necessity for an exemption of the ICRC specifically. Um, uh, if I can also ask if other colleagues on the platform from, um, from, from National Treasury, um, and I don't know if someone from um, FIC has since joined, if they, can, if they need to add anything, if they can please add something to the response. Thank you, Chair. Uh, thank you very much. Do we have National Treasury present today? Um, uh, good morning, Honorable Chair. I'm Janine Bednar-Giose from the Legislation Unit in the National Treasury. Um, we've been engaging with Advocate Kritzinger and colleagues on, on the amendments to this bill and also on the General Laws Amendment Bill that we are concurrently processing. Um, we, uh, along with uh, FIC colleagues, have you know, carefully considered the submissions that were made in the meeting and, and you know the pros and cons of of the the various uh, options and there was in the end along with consultation with the state law advisors there was in the end uh, you know a a strong united conclusion uh, in line with what has been presented by advocate Kreutzinger. so um so we we would express our support for that approach that's been presented in the presentation this morning thank you very much Thank you very much for the response. Do we have any further responses? Honorable Meshu. Chairperson, my other question was whether um, they are basing the reason for refusing to include the exemption on fears that there can be a terrorist organization that will impersonate. And how linked to that question is how are countries that have this 
exemption clauses in their laws. They have them, uh, even in Africa. How are these countries ensuring that terrorist organizations do not impersonate uh, as uh, humanitarian organizations because of that laws in their, in their laws? Thank you. And if they can give examples of countries of, ex of uh, what they know of how such clauses were abused by terrorist organizations that are impersonating. Thank you. Thank you very much, Savalin Secretary. Chairperson, uh, can we request that we, we respond in writing so that we can have uh, details uh, uh, for response for Honorable Mishwe? If you allow us. Honorable Mishwe, could we allow them to respond to you in writing? Could they also give us a more detailed and if you, uh, uh, in, I think we agree that the responses that we do receive should also be in writing, um, even though they have given us a verbal response now, I would like us to have those responses in writing so that we can study those responses and uh, so that we have a record when we do follow the processes that we have embarked on. I would like all the responses to be done in writing as well, please. It does assist us when um, you look at your notes and you have a record of the questions and the responses. Uh, honorable members, do you have any further comments? Agree, Chairperson, thank you. Agreed that everything be put in writing to us? Agreed. Um, honorable members, we could then move to the next item. It was already introduced. They could continue with the legislative process. You may start. Chair. Morning, honorable members. Uh, I'm going to brief you uh, on the legislation drafting uh, program for um, up to the end of the sixth administration. Next slide, please. So the purpose for the presentation uh, chair is to provide the portfolio committee with a briefing on the legislative schedule for the remainder of the sixth administration. I'm on slide three. I'm going to start here with the SAPS Amendment Bill first. Um, the SAPS Amendment Bill that was published for public comment on the 20th of October 2020 was for a period of four weeks. And it, among other proposals to instill professionalism, incorporated uh, the recommendations of the report from the panel of experts, as well as provides that the function related to community policing forum structures be transferred from SAPS to the provincial CSPS and the MECs. The published bill was consulted in an awareness campaign in all nine provinces. Still on slide three, please. The published bill will provide, also provides for stipends in respect of members of the CPF structures. But following the public participation process of the bill, there were consultations that were convened by National Treasury and SAPS and it became clear that in the present financial situation in the country, it would not be possible to provide stipends for members of the CPF structures. Slide four, please. 
Chair, as a result, the proposal in the bill that stipends will be paid had to be revisited. The issue of funding of CPF structures has been a stumbling block since July 2021, and this uh, prevented the SAPS bill from being further processed through the JCPS cluster for cabinet approval for introduction. However, the current position is that the CPF structures should be transferred from the SAPS to the CSPS and the MECs. And the CSPS and the SAPS are jointly working together to arrive at an appropriate funding model for the CPF structures. Slide five, please. Chair, the process going forward on the SAPS amendment bill is that uh, it's anticipated that by October 2022, the drafting team will report back to the Development Com Committee and the National Treasury regarding the outcome of the CPF funding issue. By November 2022, the bill will once again need to be provisionally certified by the Office of the Chief State Law Advisor, and the amended uh, SAYAS report must be signed off again by the SAYAS unit in the presidency. By December 2022, the bill will be processed through the JCBS cluster and to Cabinet. Uh, once Cabinet's approval is obtained, the bill will be introduced to Parliament and the parliamentary processes that follow will be supported by the department. Slide six, Chair, the other bills that have already been dealt with and we are still in the process of dealing with is the Criminal Law Forensic uh, Procedures Amendment Bill 2022. That is awaiting as assent and signature of the president. So that bill has been already dealt with. Then the next one is the Protection of the Constitutional Democracy Against Terrorist and Related Activities Amendment Bill 2022. Uh, which is currently undergoing parliamentary processes. So the 19th of uh, July, 2022, the ATC report reported the introduction of the bill in parliament. And on the 31st of August, 2022, the department briefed the portfolio committee. Um, and uh, going forward, the, bill, the, the parliamentary processes have kicked in and the drafting team have, uh, are in the process of supporting um, these processes which are currently underway. Then in terms of the, of the Private Security Industry Regulation Amendment Act 2014, um, the department has completed a comprehensive implement, uh, implementation plan uh, for the act, and uh, this has been submitted to CERA for their consideration and their inputs and finalization. Slide seven, we move on to the IPED bill chair. Uh, the draft bill was finalized and approved by the Minister for Further Processing through the JCPS cluster. It was approved by um, the various uh, platforms like the DEVCOM, the uh, DGs, the Minister's Cluster, Cabinet Committee as well, approved uh, for the bill to proceed to Cabinet to be published for public comments in the, in the Gazette. Uh, it served before the Cab Committee on the 13th of September, which was last week, and was approved to proceed to Cabinet. Uh, we are hoping that it will be um, approved by uh, Cabinet in the foreseeable future. So all the formal requirements in terms of the drafting have been followed. The bill provides for a comprehensive uh, amendment to the IPAD uh, Act of 2011. Uh, it seeks to ensure that the IPAD, that IPAD exercises its powers and performs its functions of office without peer favor or prejudice in line with the decision of the Concord in the McBride versus Minister of Police and another. Uh, the bill also seeks to strengthen the institutional independence of IPAD um, by, uh, amongst other things, providing for a more transparent and open process 
for the appointment of the ED of IPED. Slide nine, please. The procedures for the parliamentary oversight for suspension, discipline, and removal of the ED of IPED in terms of the constitutional court judgment are set out in the, in the, in the um, amendment bill of 2019. So, Chair, there was no need for any further amendments uh, in this relatively new amendment act. The bill seeks to strengthen the reporting requirements concerning the implementation of the disciplinary rec recommendations of IPED. And it is uh, submitted that the amendments to the act are necessary for, the strength, for strengthening certain provisions of the act and for promoting professionalism and discipline within the police service. In terms of on slide 10, in, in terms of the, uh, the process going forward, the bill will serve before parliament, uh, cabinet at its next sitting. The department is in the process of procuring quotes from government printing works to publish for comments, and it will be published for a period of at least four weeks. All comments will be considered and where necessary incorporated into the bill for further consideration by the JCBS cluster with the goal of, of obtaining approval for introduction of the bill in parliament. And this chair can take place before the end of this year. We go on to slide 11, chair. We now come to the secondhand goods amendment bill. Um, chair, during the implementation of this, uh, of this uh, act, the secondhand goods act of 2009, there were certain shortcomings and lacunas that were identified. The proposals in the amendment seek to remedy these gaps. Um, these mainly relate to definitions, record keeping, search and seizure warrants, as well as offense, offenses. And this is where amendments have been uh, affected. Uh, the bill also seeks to strengthen the legislative framework uh, for the, the regulation of business dealers in secondhand goods and uh, goods and pawn brokers in order to ensure that the dealers are regulated more efficiently and also to limit the market for stolen goods. It seeks also to introduce a system of admin fines, which will assist in the monitoring and combating of minor offenses and also relieve the burden on the criminal justice system, especially in our courts. On slide 12, Chair, I deal with the process of going forward with this bill. So during the third quarter of 2022-2023, we uh, will seek the minister's approval uh, to conduct stakeholder consultations on the draft bill and for uh, submitting the draft bill to um, the various uh, platforms within the JCPS cluster to seek approval uh, from cabinet to publish for um, comments. Uh, during the first quarter of 2023, 2024, uh, we will conduct consultations uh, with the stakeholders on the draft bill uh, and the revision thereof uh, based on the outcomes of these uh, consultations. So the bill will be revised during that, that period. The second quarter of 2023-2024, the revised draft bill will once again be processed through the JCPS cluster for approval. And the, during the third quarter of 2023-2024, the final draft bill will be submitted to cabinet through the minister for approval for its introduction in parliament. When we move on to slide 13, Chair, here I will deal with the Stock Theft Amendment Bill. Um, Chair, this bill seeks to repeal the Stock Theft Act of 1959. Uh, the amendment bill provides for the establishment of regulatory framework to regulate the position of livestock, to control the theft thereof and its products within and through the borders of the Republic of South Africa, and to combat crimes related to the position and the theft of animals and animal products. 
The effective system for the theft of animals requires strong legislation to regulate a chair. And the Department of Agriculture is currently developing a live stock identification and traceability um, system uh, bill. And uh, the department is, the, well, the drafting team is in consultation with this department and uh, to, to ensure that there's synergy uh, among these two pieces of legislation. So the process going forward on, on slide 14 in, in terms of the stock theft amendment bill, the third and fourth quarters, 2022-2023, that is still within this time period. The draft will, will be consulted through the JCBS cluster for support and cabinet's approval for publication in the Gazette for public comments. The first and second quarters of 2023-2024, the bill will be published in the Gazette, uh, um, an analysis and consideration and incorporation of the comments received on the draft bill uh, will be uh, considered. And then the third and fourth quarters of 2023-2024, the final draft bill will be submitted to the Minister for approval to process through the JCPS cluster for Cabinet's approval for introduction in Parliament. Then we come on to slide 15, where we deal with the Firearms Control Amendment Bill. Um, the purpose for the amendment chair is to strengthen the existing provisions of the current uh, Act. Um, Following the invitation for public comments, the bill was published um, in, in, in August uh, 2021. There was a tremendous opposition to the bill in its totality. Then on the instruction of the chairperson uh, um, of this committee and the Minister of Police, they were, uh, uh, we were instructed to, um, to conduct a number of bilateral engagements with various stakeholders and this has been done. The final engagement, was with NEDLAC, and that was towards the end of, of, of August 2022. So the drafting team is in the process of consolidating all the comments and refining this bill as a result of these engagements. A mandate will be sought from the minister on the proposal, on proposals on the way forward in terms of this bill. Slide 16, Chair, takes us to the Interim Critical Infrastructure Protection Regulations. So the development of, the, of, of these regulations has been split into two sets. The first set concerns the operations of the Critical Infrastructure Council, and the other set concerns the numerous comprehensive issues that must be regulated upon as provided for in the end of 2019. The first set of, of, of draft regulations that regulate, that relate to the, the operations of the council, uh, they are commonly termed the interim um, regulations. They've been published for comments and the comments uh, um, those comments that will strengthen the regulations were incorporated into the version that was sent to Parliament for scrutiny. The interim regulations have been adopted by the Portfolio Committee and they have been referred to the National Assembly where they were adopted yesterday. And thereafter, they will go to the Select Committee uh, on Security for Justice uh, for concurrence. Uh, Chair, this brings me to the conclusion of this presentation. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much for the presentation. However, I'd like to say that this does not print a very good uh, um, picture. Uh, the picture that I have is that the only piece of legislation that will still come to us is the IPID bill, and that is if we are lucky. Uh, the SAPS amendment bill 
the, my assessment is will not come to the committee soon. Um, um, I, I don't want to uh, give my own assessment. I'd like to um, I'd like to to listen to the members. My understanding is that if the SAPS bill is tabled, it will lapse because it is a comprehensive bill and will have to go to all provinces for public hearings. I've, um, I'm, I'm, I, I do not want to say I'm dismayed, but this is rather disappointing. I noted the hand of Honorable Whitfield. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Uh, Chairperson, I, I, I just have one comment uh, and then one question. The comment is that um, it, I think that it would just be more realistic, I suppose, as you've already indicated, to factor in uh, other issues or elements in the timeline for processing this legislation, in particular the fact that we have a national election in 2024 and Parliament's programme is likely to be disrupted uh, by the run-up to that campaign. So we don't really have uh, the next two years. We've probably got, um, accumulatively, probably got a year in which to finalise any legislation if we're to avoid it lapsing uh, in the sixth parliament. Uh, the other uh, the question that I have, Chair, is uh, I, I'm greatly appreciative of the fact that the IPID bill appears to be moving speedily and should be with the committee before the end of the year. Uh, as you know, I have drafted a private member's bill and I, I didn't want to have to go that route. It would have been a duplication waste of our Honourable time. Whitfield. Huh? Yeah. Honourable Whitfield, I, I missed you. You were breaking up or I couldn't hear. My uh, your last sentence, could you repeat? My my last comment was really about... You're still breaking up? Well, then I apologise, Chair. I, I'm not sure why. I've got strong signal. Can any other colleagues hear me? Am I the only one? Uh, I can hear you loud and clear. Uh, uh, on that I, have, I can okay. hear you. I, I can also hear you. You might be having a bad signal, Chair. Yes. I think the chairperson's one. My, my apologies, it's then on my side. Um, Honorable Whitfield, I'm sorry, could you just assist me with your your last sentence? Let, let me just say that I'm very excited about the IPID bill and that I had drafted a private member's bill, but hopefully that, that we don't need to bring that to the committee um, and we can simply amend what comes before us. The one uh, comment or question that I have for Advocate Bell is I didn't see any reference in the notes on the IPID bill uh, referring to the inclusion of law enforcement, um, uh, that law enforcement in municipalities would need to report uh, or be held accountable to IPID in the same manner as Metro Police and SAPS. This is a point that the Minister of Police has repeatedly made and one which we uh, absolutely support. Uh, and so I find it strange that it's not there. But if it arrives without it, perhaps the committee would then have an opportunity to include it. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much, Honourable Whitfield. I could hear you now and I appreciate your comments. Honourable Whip, Honourable Siabi. 
Thank you, Chair. And let me also welcome the, the presentations on the timeframes. Uh, with the IP bill, I think one is a bit comfortable that it is moving. With the subs bill, uh, like other honorables have said, one is more concerned. I just want to check whether um, when they say the challenge is the bill only about amending the issue of CPFs or are there other key issues that we need to deal with or the is the issue of CPFs the only stumbling block for the bill to move forward in terms of parliamentary processes? Uh, I didn't get that. I didn't get that uh, that clear chair. And uh, there was somewhere where the bill is said to be going to the next cabinet sitting. Is the next cabinet sitting referring to the sitting of today? or another cabinet sitting. Thank you, Chair. Uh, uh, thank you, Honorable Whip. Honorable Whip, my network is failing me. Uh, could you just assist me? A civilian secretariat, you can respond. I'm trying to uh, get a better network. Okay. You may okay. remove your presentation. That's right. Uh, thanks, uh, Honorable Chairperson. The, uh, the responses I will respond to some and Advocate Bell will also come in. In terms of maybe the last question by Honorable Siavi, uh, in terms of the, the IPED bill, whether the cabinet uh, that we're referring to sitting is today. So it's just our assumption because we presented to the cabinet committee last week. And usually after it has been approved in the cabinet committee, it serves in the, in the cabinet, but we cannot say with certainty as we don't have access to the, to the agenda of cabinet. The, the, the issue about the IPID bill, uh, with re regard to the law enforcement agencies. Uh, I think Advocate Bell will be able to respond to this one. The subs bill deals with uh, other, other issues, comprehensive issues. Uh, the issue of CPF is just one of the issues. And yes, indeed, it is the stumbling block that we had. Other issues uh, had already been resolved. We had gone through the, the consultation processes uh, with all provinces, nine provinces, and apart from the, the CPF uh, issue, all other issues, I think, were, were, were addressed and agreed to. So we are currently working on the issue of the, of the CPF with SAPS, and we, we, we already have the directive that will lead us to conclude the, 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 the bill as soon as possible. And we will have to start the, the, the processes Though it is difficult for us to indicate how best can we first strike the bill, so we will uh, go back and look at our 
legislative program and see what can we put on hold currently in favor of a, 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 a dealing with this with the subs bill so that and and the ipad bill as far as possible for for us to meet the, the deadlines uh, with your permission uh person i will hand over to advocate Beth. thank you very much advocate bell we um um mr amaru and advocate bell we've consistently requested that the two bills the saps bill and the ipad bill be prioritized could we focus on those two bills and put all our energy and our time and our resources into those two bills advocate bell Thank you, Chair. Yes, yes, we know that, Chair, and that's exactly what we will do. Um, we just um, throw all our energies into that, all, all four of us. Um, can I proceed to respond to uh, Honorable Whitfield's uh, question, Chair? Yes, you may. So the question was uh, on the inclusion of the law enforcement into IPED. Yes, uh, 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 Chair, it, it has been considered. Uh, we also obtained a legal uh, opinion from the Office of the Chief State Law Advisors. We were advised in that uh, legal opinion that it would be unconstitutional to include all law enforcement into IPED for a number of reasons. The main ones being that it would, one, infringe the constitution and the mandate of, of, of IPED because IPED is uh, mandated to, to have um, uh, uh, um, oversight over the SEPs and Metro Police. Um, then the other uh, infringement would be uh, on, on other legislation like the municipal legislation and the uh, local government and provincial uh, le legislation because there, there is legislation that, that, that covers uh, law enforcement in terms of uh, local government and municipal and provincial uh, legislation. So for that reason, we, 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 we did not include uh, law enforcement under the mandate of IPED. Um, yeah, so, so that's where I will, I will stop with that one. Um, I think the secretary has responded to the other issues uh, with regards to the, to the SEPs and uh, yeah, the, the questions that were asked by the chief. Uh, thank you, Chair. I hope that answers the question. Uh, thank you, Advocate Bell, uh, Mr. Amaru. Honorable members, do I have any further hands? Uh, Honorable Sheikh, Honorable Whitfield, your hand is up again. Uh, Sheikh Imam is your hand. I saw your hand, but it's not up. Honorable Whitfield. Thank you. Thank you very much, Chairperson. I appreciate it. Apologies for coming in again at the tail end. Um, just in respect of the SAPS Amendment Bill and the intention to provide a stipend to CPFs, uh, as well as the fact that the CPFs uh, would move away from SAPS uh, and towards the CSPS and the provinces, is the intention for the provinces then to carry the cost of remunerating these volunteers who sit on these uh, uh, police forums? Thank you. Any further comments or questions? You may respond. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. Currently, we are discussing with SAPS, as I've indicated, also with the departments, uh, HODs of departments of provin uh, provincial community safety. 
where we are looking at different modalities, finance modalities, for us to arrive at the the, the best answer. So it, it is not possible for me now to give a direct answer on this question. So, but that's what we're working with uh, departments of community safety and SAPS towards. Thanks, Chairperson. Thank you very much, Mr. Amaru. Honorable Shimbeni. Yes, thank you, Chair. Yeah, I know I might be late uh, to ask this uh, based on the issue of uh, uh, CPFs. There are these, the issue of the reserves that I think, I don't think that it is included there. We were not talking about that. I'm just raising it. That when we talk about remunerations of the CPFs, what about those reserves that are doing uh, a dangerous work in the CPFs that are not remunerated? We've never spoken about them there in that uh, bill. And then uh, I'm just asking if can't we add something that speaks to the issue of the CPFs? Because now, as we speak, we're experiencing a problem that we're getting calls left and right about the FCS that wants to be incorporated to the CPS, whereas that is not the law, that if you are a member of uh, the reservist, you must be enlisted as a, 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 a member of the SAPS, a full member of the SAPS. Now, I'm just thinking that if there can be something that talks about them and the remunerations, that can help a lot so that we don't have people queuing to say that they must be enlisted to the SAPS because as we speak, they are organizing themselves that they want to take down come to the head office, something like that. I think some they did in the past, but now we are getting calls from all over South Africa, from all those provinces. Uh, it's just my input, Chairperson. Uh, Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Civilian Secretariat, could you respond, please? Uh, Honorable Chairperson, currently, as the bill stands, it doesn't have anything on the reservists. Uh, but uh, if you allow, Chairperson, maybe I will request our colleagues from Sub General Matlala, maybe to assist in this regard. General Moslala? Thank you, Honorable Chairs and Honorable Members. I'm with General Pinar, and through you, let me allow her to firstly respond, and then I'll then add uh, after her response. General Pinar, through you, Chairperson. Thank you.
General Pilar, can you respond? Is General Pinar? General Motlala, I don't think we have General Pinar. Could we have someone else to assist us? If you do have. Um, uh, maybe then I, I can help with the response. Um, currently, as it stands, uh, Honorable Chairperson and Honorable Members, uh, there is a there is an allocated budget uh, for the for the remuneration of uh, reservists when they are called out for for special events. Uh, for example, one of the example is during uh, when we have uh, uh, either local government elections or national and provincial uh, uh, elections or for any other special event that might be declared as a special event by the by the national commissioner that's currently as it stands uh, according to our directors honorable chairperson and honorable members honorable members i think this is a matter that has to be um, dealt with more extensively it is a concern. It has been raised with all the members, and certainly the members have raised it with me. Could we please request SAPS and the Civilian Secretariat to look at this more extensively? DM, could you facilitate this, please? Honorable DM? Yes, no, we take note uh, of uh, your comments. We will do that. Uh, thank you, Honorable DM. Honourable Members, do you have any further comments or questions? Honourable Shimbeni, is this a historical hand or a new hand? Uh, yeah, it's, it's a historical chair, but uh, yeah, it's a picture I've got a lot of questions. Unfortunately, the SAPS management is not here. I love that because... Uh, there are a lot of issues, I see, if we can carry on leaving them unattended. It's damaging the image of the organization. The, there are a lot of questions that have been uh, not answered. At the present moment, we've got a question whereby I would like to have the provincial commissioners around so that I can ask this question with the minister and his uh, management about these allegations of corruption that involves the senior management and nothing is being done. And then we're keeping quiet as if everything's normal. We can't. We can't. This thing has got to stop as soon as possible. We can't work like this. And remember, Chair, I said in the last meeting that I don't want to be bad of a committee that will be rendered useless, that we did not do our job, we did not hold the executive accountable during our reign, it can be. Something must be done. We are not just voting cows here. We are here to work and people must do their part. And yeah, uh, that's my comment. I would need 
that we get to the bottom of these things that there is corruption in the bombo investigation has been done a report was sent to the national somebody sitting uh, on top of the report because now this includes friendships and that the one that it's supposed to be dealt with maybe might be knowing something against the one who must deal with so this is a lot of stories. We must have the commissioner here, have the provincial commissioners and the senior management. I want to ask this question. I want answers right here. And the protecting protection disclosure of uh, uh, the suspended deputy national commissioner. We did not get any responses, and the time is not, it's, it's totally against us from the minister. He said he was responding in writing. And remember, we said we wanted to ask questions here in, uh, uh, in the portfolio meeting. And I will be happy uh, as Ulokuza, uh, I don't remember whether it's the whip, uh, Honorable Siami, that spoke about the physical meetings. Uh, I'm supporting those physical meetings 200% so that we, we speak to these people right in front of us and ask questions so that they can give us answers because this visual meeting, you don't even know that that person is there listening to you or what. So, yeah, I think we need to do something. Action must be taken as soon as possible. And remember also, Chairperson, the request, not the request, the instruction that was given by the fired or the expelled, whatever, a commissioner's attorney of the applications by the senior management to their posts. Nothing has been done with that. Nothing. We kept quiet and people are occupying posts there without qualifications. It can't be correct. It can't be correct. So that's my submission, Chair, uh, for the uh, uh, little moment that I got. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you, Honorable Shindeni. We have noted your concerns. Uh, today we will be dealing with the legislation and uh, you do you have um, our full support. Uh, we are revising the program to address the concerns which you have raised once more in the committee. Honorable Majosi. Chair, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Oh, no, okay. I thought, I thought I lost connection again. Uh, no, Chair. Are you, are you giving me an, an opportunity? Yes, Honorable Majosi. Oh, thank you. Thank, uh, thanks, Chairperson. Um, let me greet uh, honorable members and uh, uh, subs uh, department. And uh, maybe to echo uh, uh, members who have spoken before that uh, there are many issues that we need to deal with. Um, I went for an in-house meeting after this part. I see now that we have discussed some of these things in this platform. No longer, now they are public knowledge. So um, I, I think we seriously, seriously need um, uh, to meet and uh, to have uh, provincial commissioners, as, as well as Honorable Shembene has said, 
um, because we don't know what subs do in these different districts. You go to Johannesburg, they treat you differently from Ekurulene. You go to another district with the same case, you are treated differently uh, in, in, in all those. So I think those are the issues that we need to deal with, uh, Chairperson. And also, yes, as, well, as much as we saw in the news yesterday that um, the high-profile um, uh, generals were arrested and dun, 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 uh, the fraud and what, 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 it's, it's fine, we'll get there. But also we are receiving uh, emails and WhatsApps, uh, Chair, informing us about certain information that we will not talk about in this platform. That is why maybe we should have a physical attendance so that you are able to address all those issues. And and um, and our contacts are, are, are public. Um, so we, we are contacted easily. And yes, we should be because of um, we, we should hold people accountable for 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 whatever information that comes and get clarity and also um, seek more information from them. So I, I do uh, concur with the fact that we should have a physical um, um, uh, meeting when we come back for the last for the last term. Um, and also uh, we we need uh, yeah, generals because we've got um, uh, certain questions for for certain provinces. Um, especially me, I've, I, have, I have a lot of questions for for Gauteng that I need to the the, the 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 commissioners to speak to, and also uh, the the department of um um what is this um uh, okay yeah I'll I'll remember it it's fine if I do remember it I'll write on the chat box. Um, there are cops of people who are still um, in mortuaries for more than two, three years because cannot be identified. And some have identified, some families have identified these bodies, but now they cannot be released because there's a backlog. So, yeah, we need to talk about that, Chairperson, and then we need to give them the places and everywhere, whatever it is that is happening so that these processes must be done. So we get these messages all the time. And that we must raise these issues. And also we seek for that meeting, that physical meeting. Thanks, Chair. Uh, thank you, Honorable Majosi. Dr. Blanche. Chairperson, thank you. Um, apparently we are a bit off agenda now. But, uh, you know, since we are raising issues, outstanding issues, I just want to also um, say again that I've also forwarded quite a few things. And if you are going to apply your mind about this outstanding issues, Chairperson, I would also request that those are also being considered and then we can decide at the latest stage how and when are we going to deal with that? Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you, Honourable uh, Members. You certainly are stretching me a bit today, but I'm being very lenient. I told you we are discussing the legislation, but um, I'm allowing you an opportunity to um, give your input, Honourable Whitfield. Thank you, Chair. Just a very brief point from me, a significant development 
in our uh, policing environment this week, which I just wanted to ascertain whether you on behalf of the committee will be making a statement and whether the committee will be receiving a presentation uh, or some feedback on the arrest of former National Police Commissioner General Komotso Pashlani and other senior crime intelligence officials. I think it is absolutely um, necessary for the committee to receive insight and feedback to whatever extent is possible so that we can, um, as much as we are determined to hold SAPs accountable, that we can also commend them when, when good work is done. But this is a significant development, Chair, um, and I would be surprised if the committee um, does not uh, pay careful attention to it and perhaps receive a briefing from the Minister. Thank you, Chair. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Honourable Deputy Minister. I hope that um, you have noted this and that it is brought to the attention of the Minister and the Deputy Minister. Honourable Whip and Honourable uh, Deputy Minister, the members of the committee are consistently raising pertinent issues and we would like to have an opportunity to engage the minister, the national commission on a number of issues. Honourable members, I'm now going to move on to the and that is the amendment to the APPs. Honourable deputy minister. Uh, th thank you, Chair. Uh, we'll, uh, once more, ask that we allow uh, General Mukala and the team. I think there is General Rabi, but General Mukala will indicate through you, Chair. Over to you, General Mukala, through you, Chairperson. You may continue. Thank you, Honorable DM and Honorable Chairperson and Honorable Members. Uh, we'll be presenting. And the presentation will be conducted by uh, Major General Ravi, our National Head of uh, Strategic Management. General Ravi, you may proceed through you, Chairperson. Um, uh, good morning, Chairperson. Good morning, members of the honorable members of the committee, our De honorable Deputy Minister and Senior Management of SAPS and other state entities represented in the meeting. Honorable Chair, I was advised that we don't redo the presentation, but just recap on what we have presented at the previous opportunity. And uh, I think it's also inappropriate to appreciate the fact, Honorable Chair, that we can uh, represent this and uh, for the purpose of co the, the committee considering the amendments that the department wants to do to the performance indicators. Um, I just want to confirm, Chair, that in terms of what we previously presented, there are only five performance indicators where we want to amend the targets associated with those indicators. So the content of the indicators and the objectives associated with those indicators remains the same. Four of the indicators that we represented, Honorable Chair, remains uh, or is directly related to contact crime. That includes your co uh, contact crime as an overall category. 
And then under that, there are three SAP categories that talks to your three high-contact crime weight stations. The uh, reported crimes against women, that is also contact crime. And then reported contact crimes against children uh, below 18 years. Um, just to recap the reason why we made amendments to these four indicators that I've just presented, when the initial APP was submitted, um, we take into consideration preliminary results after a nine-month period to determine the targets associated with these indicators. Now, following the um, completion of the financial year, and the annual report that we are currently uh, finalizing, we noticed that there's a difference between, or there's a significant difference between the year-end result and what we considered during the nine-month period to compile the, the initial APP indicators or the targets associated with these indicators. Now, the reason why we consider this as important is because the, the president indicated in the 2019-20 SONA that there must be a 50% reduction in contact crime or serious violent crime over the next decade. So as a result of that, we consider contact crime or serious violent crime as one of the apex indicators in the APP. And we thought it necessary to make sure that we adjust those targets in, you know, according to the actual result that was then recorded at the end of the financial year. If I, if I may use an example, Chair, of contact crime in total. Now, when we initially published the, AR, or the APP, we anticipated a result. If you look at the contact crime as, as a total, we anticipated an increase of 11.8% in total. But when we got to the end of the financial year, that actually increased to third, to 13, sorry, Jay, I just want to get to the right page. That increased, increased to 13.5%. So what we have done is we have adjusted our targets upwards to take into consideration these increases and actual results that were actually higher than what we initially anticipated to ensure that we as a department are fully aware of the, the expected outcomes because the methodology that you apply with this specific indicator and, and all three, the category, four the categories that I referred to, is the anticipated outcome that was presented, uh, that was uh, committed to by the president. We have to calculate that over a 10-year period. Now, the net result of that is if we don't achieve targets in the years, in the early years of the decade that the president referred to, it puts more pressure on the remaining years. So um, as a result of that, then we adjusted the targets upwards. And uh, so, for instance, your contact crime, we initially uh, planned for an 8.75% reduction in the current financial year. That has now gone up to a 9.21% reduction given the results that has been achieved. If I can use the example of crimes against, uh, crimes against women in the... Uh, in the initial APP that we presented, we indicated an increase, uh, we anticipated or planned decrease of 7.2%. That has now uh, been increased to 9.17%. Uh, 
So the, we would just want to give the committee the assurance that the purpose of adjusting the targets as far as the contact crime is concerned was to make sure that the targets that we include in the APP is, is, uh, is reliable and that it's an actual, that it's a more accurate representation of the actual uh, uh, situation. What, uh, what bothered us a little bit was taking into account that we had COVID-19 in the previous years. Now that impacted on uh, crime figures. And as a result of that, the model that we normally apply was also affected. So that is the purpose that we made the adjustment uh, to those four indicators on the chair. And I just want to confirm again that the adjustment that I'm referring to is just in terms of the actual targets. Then the last indicator that stands on its own, Honorable Chair, I will uh, um, ask General Motlala and the team to respond to that, but maybe just to give some introduction. Um, I trust that the committee will recall that our previous National Commissioner introduced the Safer City Initiative uh, two years, three years ago, if I'm correct. And uh, we've been focusing as a department on that. But as a result of the economic situation and high dependencies in terms of uh, the Safer City project on external role players, we were advised by the minister in, uh, in the beginning of the financial year that we must make 100% sure that those cities that we are targeting, that the project is optimally implemented and that we, that we reach the desired result. So as a result of that, um, the department chair then took a decision to adjust the target to confirming and making 100% sure and give the assurance as a department that indeed the uh, cities that we have prioritized, that, uh, that the um, project itself on Safer City Initiative is fully implemented. I'm going to stop there. I've trust I've given sufficient information uh, with your permission, ma'am. I would then ask uh, General Motlala and the team if they want to add more information to the city, uh, the Safer City Framework. Uh, thank you for the opportunity, Honorable Chair. Uh, thank you very much. You may continue. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. Uh, just to add to what General uh, Rabi indicated in the safer city. I'm with uh, Mayor General uh, Matonsi, the component head for social crime prevention, uh, responsible for this uh, uh, performance indicator. Um, General Matonsi, can you then add to what General Rabi has actually already indicated through your chairperson? Thank you. Good morning, Honorable Chair, Honorable Members and DM, and all protocol observed. I think General Rabi has covered uh, everything that relating to this particular area. I think I'm covered for now, but we'll take questions if there is. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Members. What we've done now is actually correct. We have separated the national policing strategy from the amendments to the APP. The last time they did the presentation, they had a combination of the national policing strategy, which was presented by our new national commissioner with the amendments to the APP. 
Um, we agreed that we will have the um, that we will have the national commissioner now um, uh, presenting the national policing strategy at a separate meeting, and that during that meeting we do focus um, in particular um, to the with the um, national policing strategy. We focus on that. Uh, we will adopt the report on the addendum next week. So the report is presented to us. Um, those uh, that the, um, I think the addendum to the APP we dealt with it before. Uh, I, they have the correct version now. I'll have the members comment. Uh, you may raise your hands now. Uh, Honourable Tablanche and then Honourable Grunewald. Chairperson, thank you. Um, I think we have more clarity now. I just want to confirm, during the previous presentation, you know, I'm referring to the Safer City program now. We were told, you know, that, um, you know, the, the, the aim was to, to roll this process out to 10 cities and then you know, a decision was taken only to take uh, to to focus on three, and you know, on where when we ask further questions, it appears that the three cities will not even be also uh, finalised, and I just want to get uh, confirmation on that, Chairperson. Then the last thing, the report that you're referring to, I. I, I maybe I my memory doesn't serve me well at the moment. Um, I don't know when was was that ACT already. Thank you, Chairperson. My apologies, members. I lost network for a minute. Honorable Grunewald and then um, Honorable Shembeni. Thank you, Honorable Chair. Morning, Honorable Members and everyone. Uh, I'm going to just take uh, my video out. Chairperson, firstly, I want to say that if I look at the revised targets, I have the, a question in this sense. It's fine. Uh, we must increase our targets. But a general question that arises, uh, Honorable Chair, is I am worried that police stations, if they get these targets, then they don't report the cases. I receive too many, uh, can I say, people contacting me and saying that well, I went to the police station, but they don't even want to take my case. And the moment we increase our targets to say that we want to reduce, for instance, if you look at contact crimes with 9.21%, I want to know what steps are taken to ensure that police stations don't actually process uh, the charges laid at police stations. It's the same with 
if I can go to the crime of contact crimes against women, Jefferson, in a certain sense, the more cases that are reported is actually an indication that there's progress in the fighting of the crime against women. Because if you want to reduce it, you're going to encourage police stations to not report it on the system in the first place, but specifically when it comes to contact crimes. I have numerous uh, uh, queries from people that really, and I repeat myself now, saying that they don't even want to take my case. Or if I phone them, then they tell me that I must come uh, in and come and lay a charge. They don't want to go out uh, to the crime scene or anything like that. So what steps are we taking to ensure that we get a correct reflection of these targets? Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much, Honorable Grunewald. Honorable uh, Shembeni, before Honorable Shembeni, please, uh, the, um, we must report back to the National Assembly on the addendum. And the addendum was referred to the committee through the ATC. So on uh, the 19th of July this year, the minister tabled the addendum to the annual performance plan of SAPS 2022-2023, which was referred then to the Portfolio Committee of Police for consideration. Uh, the, The committee must, after consideration of the amended performance targets, we must first adopt a report, and then the report must be tabled in the National Assembly for adoption. Uh, do we have clarity on that now? Honorable Tablanche? Thanks, Chairperson. You explained it very well. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much. Honorable Shembeni? Thank you, Chair. Uh, I just want to talk to the focus on the issue of the safer cities. Uh, that we must not lose focus from attending the so-called rural areas. Because I have noticed that a lot of crime or a lot of firearms are coming from rural areas because police in those areas are not visible. And they are taking things for granted as if nothing is happening there, whereas that's where the danger is. So I'm just warning the SAPS not to lose focus on uh, rural areas. Uh, and there are important issues that now they must take into consideration, like when we talk about the intelligence of the SAPS. These so-called CIs, I don't know what are they doing. Because you can't have a place where every funeral, there are firearms that are being discharged, daylight, and nothing's happening. 
in taverns. There are taverns that we firearms are being discharged every weekend or every day. And we've got police officers drinking there. We've got this intelligence walking around or driving around. And one man in a car, a very big guy, down the cab, one man. And in the police station, there is nothing. There are no vehicles. But these ones are driving around, coming with nothing. So that's why I'm saying the focus must not be lost by uh, the SAPS on rural areas. There is a lot that is happening there. And even if those people that are committing crime in cities, when they run away for hiding, they go to rural areas. So that's my submission, Chairperson, that uh, we must strictly work on rural areas. We must not just neglect them. Crime is very high there. Thank you very much. Thank you, Honorable Shimbeni. Honorable Deputy Minister, would you like to uh, respond? And then we'll have um, uh, the SAPs responding. Uh, so, sorry, Chair. I am not necessarily 100% okay. Uh, I will ask that uh, we allow General Mutala and the team to respond, Chair. Thank you. Uh, apologies for that, DM. I hope you feel better soon. Uh, General Mutala and the team. Thank you. Um, Thank you, Honorable Chairperson and Honorable Members, and wishing uh, our Honorable DM speedy recovery. Um, Honorable Chairperson, on the, the question that was raised by Honorable Terrablanche on the, on the number of safer cities that previously it was 10, and then now it's three. Um, um, uh, I will allow... Um, uh, General Matunsi, just to clarify that one, to say uh, currently as it stands, how many uh, safer cities has been uh, ad, uh, uh, actually identified for implementation, so that we can, uh, 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 for the, for this uh, financial year, and then uh, then the next question on the issue of revised targets. Um, what steps are being taken to present uh, to ensure that the present process of targets doesn't uh, lead to the late reporting? Uh, honorable Chairperson um, uh, and honorable members, one of the steps that we are actually implementing as South African Police Service uh, is that through our combined assurance, uh, uh, we ensure that um, uh, uh, the stations um, are visits um, uh, by announced through announced visit or unannounced visit by some of our combined assurance partners, such as uh, a division inspectorate, which is also having a footprint in the provinces. But also we have also have uh, duty officers uh, who are also on duty twenty four seven. Uh, at both at station, district, and provincial levels. But we also, um, uh, Honorable Chairperson, uh, 
to prevent that uh, there is no issues of late reporting. We also have uh, uh, our colleagues from uh, uh, Crime Registrar also doing uh, some some of the uh, uh, inspections uh, to ensure that the, in terms of the, the necessary instructions that have been issued uh, for the registration of crime, that the, the stations are actually in compliance. And I must also uh, indicate honorable chairperson and honorable members that uh, uh, if it is found that uh, any police station management or members are actually not ensuring this reporting of this uh, of any crime, that the uh, honorable chairperson and honorable members as uh, serious disciplinary steps are taken, which might also lead to even uh, the opening of criminal cases against such uh, individuals. Um, uh, and then honorable chairperson, the, the issue the, of the question that was asked by Honorable Shembeni on the on the that the focus as much as we focus on the urban areas, that the all focus must also be on the rural uh, areas. Where we take note of that. Hence, Honorable Chairperson and Honorable Members, earlier this year, uh, the Minister uh, actually convened uh, the Rural Safety Summit that was held in the Paris Free State, where we actually had to really uh, invited all the relevant stakeholders that are uh, that are actually uh, relevant in that space, and, and there was also an integrated committee that was uh, established with a clear mandate to ensure that we make sure that the rural safety um, uh, strategy is actually ensuring that it yields the necessary results, and we also ensure honourable chairperson and honourable members that. Um, uh, our resources, as we allocate our resources, that the, the rural areas are not also neglected through our integrated uh, resource management strategy. I will then request Honorable Chairperson that uh, uh, General Matunzi and General uh, Pinar maybe just to add uh, on the on my uh, uh, the answers that I've given through you, Honorable Chairperson. Uh, thank you very much. You may continue. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chair and Honorable Members and KNNTM. Uh, on the first question, Honorable Chair uh, from Honorable Telblanche, yes, it is correct that uh, previously it was 10 cities. Maybe to take it a uh, few steps back, is that as subs, initially we wanted to have 10 cities over a period of three years, meaning that 10 cities every every year uh, to reach 30, 30 cities in total. But after reflection, as General Ravi touched on during his presentation early this year, uh, on the 19th of April with the ministry, we reflected on the progress as well as the dependencies and the risk around it. One of the challenges, for instance, are issues around the uh, financial constraints and, and other issues as well because the project on itself, it's an integrated uh, safer city, meaning that we are combining all three spheres of government to focus on one thing, to support the broader program of DDM. So because of that, there are a lot of dependencies and challenges and so on. 
it was then decided at that time a directive was provided to say that let's rather focus on a small number of cities, uh, which is which is six, and then those cities will be Eteguini, Eguruleni, Cape Town, Johannesburg, Tswane, and and Pulukwane. So that is where the the focus is on. But also maybe if uh, chair, I can comment a little bit on the um, question from Honorable Shembeni as well. As General Motala has already touched on, but I just also wanted to comment on it to say, as far as the safer city is concerned, uh, it's focusing on the district, meaning that if there is a station that is within that particular district, which might be rural, it will also be part of, of the program. It won't be left out. But the other part, I think General Motala has already, already touched on. Thank you very much, Honorable Chair. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. Uh, General Pinar, you may respond. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson, Honorable Members, and my apologies for losing the connection earlier. Um, General Batlala has uh, already, I think, answered most of the, the question in terms of rural safety. What I just want to add is in terms of the registration of crime and ensuring that our members correctly register all the crimes that are reported to them. This is also about, in specifically in terms of contact crime and contact crimes against women and children, all our AVP indicators. These, these are also our indicators that are subject to the audit of performance information. So a specific initiative that we've put in place that is related to the auditing of performance information is measures to ensure that we correctly register crime to specifically prevent repeat audit findings in this regard, because we've had audit findings um, in this regard. And then as well as the, the post orders action plan where we identify specific shortcomings based on the audit and then work to correct that. So we have identified very specific measures that require from station level, from district level, from provincial and from national level that we um, draw samples of the, the cases registered and check that they are correctly registered. So at the end of every quarter, we do a selection of, of, of checking on, on um, cases registered to ensure that those cases were correctly registered. And we are required to do that at national level, at provincial level, at district level. And then at station level, there is the, the specific um, checklist in place that is intended to ensure that the case is correctly identified, correctly registered, and that there's quality assurance even at station level to ensure that cases are not um, either incorrectly registered or, or crime information is not manipulated. And that is why we take this so seriously that when we do find um, audit, we do have audit findings in this regard, we basically demand that there must be an investigation to determine where the responsibility lies and that um, disciplinary or consequence management is, is put in place. Because if the procedures that are in place are correctly followed, it is extremely unlikely that the cases will be incorrectly registered. So it means someone either neglected to do what they were supposed to do or deliberately um, didn't do what they were supposed to do. And then also we've, we've, invested, we've invested with HRD in ongoing training in terms of the specific role players in the CSC that registered cases, for instance, your relief and your CSC commanders, as well as your data capturers. But then in addition to that, we are working with our TMS division on the um, ongoing enhancement of the system so that we can use the system also provide, to provide some checks and balances, for instance, under um, using the date of birth or the ID number to correctly um, identify the sex of the victim or to um, to correctly identify the age of the person so that we don't have incorrect information entered in terms of whether the 
victim is an adult or a child, and also linking specific charges to specific victims. Uh, thank you very much, Honorable Chairperson, I submit. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. I will also, through you, Honorable Chairperson, request that uh, General Ravi also just to add. You may. Um, thank you, Honorable Chair. Um, I just want to make a comment from a, from a strategic perspective and not necessarily from the operational perspective that my colleagues have already explained. Um, the, the reported crime or the crime figures have been used as an indicator of police success for a number of years. And uh, there has been several debates whether um, it should be used as an indicator of police success because of the unintended consequences that Honorable Grunewald referred to, where you set targets to reduce crime. And, then, and the intention of setting such targets is the, the intention is to reduce levels of crime through effective policing and not through the manipulation of crime statistics, which unfortunately do happen from time to time. Hence, we have implemented the, the, the measures that General Pinar referred to. And uh, they, we've received recommendations from other entities, uh, such as the Institute for Security Studies, that uh, why don't we as a department not rather focus on the effective resolving of crime that has been reported and use that as an indicator of the police success uh, in terms of, you know, actually responding to crime. So um, it is correct, as Honorable Grunewald said, uh, Chair, that they, it, it, we, we do identify instances where that happens, but we do also have other mechanisms in place where people can report uh, when such complaints are not being intended to, uh, like the Crime Stop Line and various other um, mechanisms that we have. But on that note, Chair, I want to say that uh, as, as the head of strategic management, data integrity and, and the, the integrity of policing is very important for my office. So um, I would open my office for that as well and say, if there are such uh, incidents reported that it also we use our channel and it could also then be reported to us so that we make sure that it's properly being attended to. And uh, Chair, then the last issue about the Honorable Shembeni's comment about making sure that we don't neglect the rest of the organization, uh, in addition to the um, proof, uh, information that has already been provided by uh, Lieutenant General Motlala, there are other, there are various initiatives that focus on other types of stations. We have the top 30 GBV stations. We have the top 30 high contact crime stations. In addition to that, we have the top 20 in each, each one of the provinces where we focus on, you know, specific provinces with high incidence of crime. And then, for instance, we also have an initiative by the minister during the MINMEC where we visit as rural stations. Uh, during the MINMEC to identify challenges and policing challenges. And then uh, and we visit approximately nine, ten stations per MINMEC in each one of the provinces. We have concluded the, we've done KZN, we've done the Eastern Cape, and we've recently done Pumalanga. And the intention of that is then to also identify other stations which are problematic and as I indicated, the majority of these are actually those rural stations. And then we also then uh, in, in 
uh, implement interventions to ensure that those stations are properly capacitated. Uh, thank you for the opportunity, Honorable Chair. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, do we have any further responses? That will be all from our side, uh, Honorable Chairperson and Honorable Members. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much, General uh, Mutlala and your team. Uh, thank you very much for those uh, responses. We appreciate it. Uh, honorable members, as you know, we do not approve uh, the APP. It's approved by the minister. Uh, we must just consider the amended targets and report to the National Assembly. Uh, what we're doing with the addendum is not the same as the normal process as the APP together with the budget. So um, Parliament approves the budget, but it does not approve the APP. Um, there's no approval sought, but we must adopt the report next week. So honorable members for next week, we will adopt the committee's report on the addendum. Uh, we, secondly, we will workshop the bill in more detail. Uh, we will receive the written responses before the meeting next week, and the written responses should include all responses to questions which were asked. Um, I've then also requested that uh, an urgent report be prepared on um, all the outstanding matters. Uh, we will prioritize this report um, even um, as we prepare for for um, the stress plan, we should get the uh, a list of all the outstanding matters so that members do not repeat the same questions and we don't uh, share our, uh, our frustrations whenever we meet. And those frustrations are being repeated uh, um, and we don't seem to get any responses when we raise those uh, questions that we have. Uh, honorable members, we noted the apology of General um, of uh, Dr. Grunewald, so that was noted. Uh, Dr. Grunewald, thank you for joining us. Um, honorable members, the meeting is now. Thank you very much for attending. Thank you very much for the presentations and the responses. Thank you very much to the Deputy Minister. Uh, we wish you a speedy recovery, uh, Deputy Minister. Honorable WIP, honorable members, thank you very much for your inputs. Um, they are much appreciate, appreciated, and they will certainly enrich uh, the work and the presentations of today. Um, with that, honorable members, with those closing remarks, uh, the meeting is now adjourned. Thank you very much. Recording.